Click Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Good morning to you. Today is Thursday, February 9th, 2023, and you're joining us on the Catholic Drive Time. I'm your host, Adrian Fonseca, and today is the Feast of Blessed Anne Catherine Emmerich. Anne Catherine Emmerich was a German Catholic nun and mystic who lived in the early 19th century. She was born into a poor farming family. She worked as a seamstress before joining the Augustinian nuns at the convent of Endulam, or Dulmen. She was known for her strict observance of religious life and her religious ecstasies. In 1813, marks of the stigmata were reported on her body causing a lengthy investigation by the ecclesiastical authorities. She had many mystical visions, including talking with our Lord and seeing the souls in purgatory. She died on the 9th of February, 1824, and was buried in the graveyard outside the town, with a large number of people attending her funeral. Blessed Anne Catherine Emmerich, pray for us. And today is, in fact, Thursday. That means tomorrow is the weekend. Ooh. Ah, tomorrow is just it's just one more day away from the weekend. How was your week so far? Any successes? Any mistakes? It's always good, maybe on a Thursday, to look back at your week and start examining not just your conscience, but your week in general. What have, what could you do better for next week? And start to look at those things. And then Friday, that's the day you can start looking forward to the weekend. And you're looking forward and said, okay, what are my plans for this weekend? I think it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, at 15 past the hour, we're going to discuss the FBI coming after faithful Catholics. We all know about Mark Houck, but it's not just Mark Houck. It may be you next. At 30 past the hour, District Attorney Brent Haynes will be joining us to discuss the State of the Union. I figured uh, yesterday everyone is talking about it. Today, it's kind of old news, but we'll discuss it anyways. In the next hour, we will discuss the left declaring victory and the culture war. All that is going to be coming up on the Catholic Drive Time Show today. Uh, but joining us is Tito Edwards and Rudy Carlos. Good morning to y'all. Good morning. Tito, you're going to want to turn your mic on and be able to, so we can hear you. There you go. <laughs> nice. My bad. There you go. There Newbie. you go. Sorry. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Adrian and Rudy. I'm doing great. How about you guys? I'm doing blood, too blessed to be stressed, too anointed to be disappointed, and if grace was money, I'd be a millionaire. Uh, I don't know who made that up. I think it might have been Terry and Jesse uh, from the, the Jesse Romero show. I think that's where I got that from, but I love that. I say it all the time. It's an excellent little phrase there. Uh, but have y'all begun thinking about the weekend? Yes, I've been thinking about the weekend. What are you going to do this weekend, Tito? Oh, I've got, uh, well, there's the Super Bowl. My friends are, I'm going to watch a little bit of it and then head home Sunday. And Saturday, uh, we have a dinner with friends. And Friday is my wife and I's date night. We go oh, to wow. Adoration, Benediction, oh, wow. Mass, and Confession. Date. Yeah. That's awesome. That's really cool. How long have you been doing that? For about 10, 11 plus years. Now wow. that is a date. Every, every Friday. Adrian, take notes here. I know I am right now. I'm writing it down. I'm taking these down these down as notes. Uh, take your wife on dates. Got it. All right. Uh, I'll let my wife know we're going to go on a date this weekend. Thank you, <laughs> Tito Edwards, uh, for that suggestion. 
But, you know, we have a lot going into this week. I saw all these stories coming up and seeing the stories about the FBI. Woo-wee. We talked yesterday a little bit about some things happening to Catholics. And there's more on the scene. If you If you believe in the Catholic faith, if you think abortion is bad, if you think that transing the kids is bad, well, the FBI might be looking into you very soon. So we're going to discuss that at 15 past the hour. And at 30 past the hour, I mentioned Brent Haynes will be joining us. The State of the Union, it was very long, but really it could be summarized in about 20 minutes or so, even though it was like two hours long. And we're going to do so at 30 past the hour. We're going to take a look at everything Joe Biden, our Catholic president, had to say. It's very concerning. And we're going to discuss that. Uh, But let's jump into prayer. Let's, we're going to offer up these intentions for, one, let's pray for the FBI today. Let's offer up our prayers for the FBI that there's a conversion in the leadership. I have been told uh, by many people that there are a lot of good, faithful Catholics that are actually in the FBI. And so I let's pray for them that they have the strength and courage to stand up for their faith. And let's pray for the FBI in general, the leadership there, that they have a conversion of heart. And, let's, and I'm going to pray for your intentions Whatever it is that you need, whatever it is that you would like us to pray for, I'm joining my intentions with yours this morning. So let's begin. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession, was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, and Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now your headline news with Tito Edwards. Good morning, everyone. These are the news headlines for today. <clears throat> for, Feb- uh, for February 9th, Thursday, this week. I apologize about that. And... Uh, We are gathering ourselves. I'm Tito Edwards. I'm new at this. It's only my fourth day on the job, but that should not be an excuse because the first three days I did it impeccably. But uh, as I'm scrolling down on my screen trying to grab the notes on my very slow computer, we've got some good, some great news out there today. Uh, but you should stick around to hear about the FBI and what they're doing to traditionalist Catholics. My, oh, my. And here we are. Catholic News Agency reports during President, Biden, Joe Bi- President Joe Biden's 2023 State of the Union address, Biden called on Congress to codify Roe v. Wade and pass legislation banning discrimination, pe- discriminating people with same-sex attraction and gender dysphoria. The proposal put, puts him at odds with Jesus, which are the which Jesus's teachings, which are the perennial teachings of the Catholic Church. OSF News and Amman Jordan reports Catholic and other humanitarian agencies are calling Monday 7.8 magnitude earthquake and a second tremor striking southern Turkey and northern Syria tragic and are appealing for aid. They are assisting Syrians in the north of the country, people affected by more than a decade of civil war. Catholic News Agency reports that in 2018 an essay was published after Pope Benedict's death. Pope Benedict XVI said a Protestant-like understanding of the Eucharist and strong calls for intercommunion are often found together. 
Commenting on the current situation of Eucharistic life in the Catholic Church, the Pope Emeritus said, One process of great impact is the almost complete disappearance of the sacrament of penance. There's also the understanding of communion as merely a, quote, supper, end quote, he added. ACI Africa reports that the Catholic Pontifical and Charity Foundation Aid to the Church in Need International has paid tribute to Christians all over the world who were killed because of their faith, noting that the most martyrs of 2022 came from Africa. ACN conducted a series of vigils across various towns in France between the 21st and 27th of January, which names of Christians who died because of their faith were mentioned. And I'm Tito Edwards, and these are today's headlines through a Catholic lens. Thank you, Tito, for keeping us up today. Join and uh, our gospel of the day. Now, now I'm all tied up. The gospel of the day comes from Mark seven verses twenty-four through thirty. After this, Jesus left those parts and withdrew into the neighborhood of Tyre and Sidon. There he went into a house and did not wish anyone to know of it, but he could not go unrecognized. For a woman came to hear of it, whose daughter was possessed by an unclean spirit, and she came in and fell at his feet. This woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by race, and she begged him to cast out the devil out of her daughter. But he said to her, Let the children have their fill first. It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She answered him, Ah, yes, Lord, the dogs eat of the crumbs the children leave underneath the table. And he said to her, in reward for this word of thine back home with thee, the devil has left thy daughter. And when she came back to her house, she found her daughter lying on the bed, and the devil gone. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The commentary on the Gospel today comes from Cornelius Alapide. He says, contemplate the ideal of perfect prayer and imitate it. Because he's talking about this woman here, the Syrophoenician woman, is a model of perfect prayer. Now, what is Cornelius Lapide? How does he break this down? He says, number one, you pray with great humility and that she acknowledge herself to be a dog. So recognize we are sinners. We are nothing in the light of God. Whenever we compare ourselves to the infinite majesty of God, we are worthless equivalent to a dog. Now, some days uh, people treat their dogs better than they treat their family, but at that time, that was not the case. So one, with great humility. We pray with great humility, not saying, God, I deserve this. God, I demand you do this for me. But instead, God, I know I'm not worthy. I know I don't deserve your grace, but I ask for it anyways. Number two, with faith, because she calls Christ the son of David, i.e. the Messiah, the God and Savior promised to the Jews. So second thing, one, with humility. Two, with faith, recognizing who God is, that he actually does have the power to do what you are asking. This is not beyond him. Three, with modesty, because she sets before Christ the right of the dogs and her own misery. Yet she does not draw from thence the conclusion that Christ should heal her daughter, but leaves that to him. So one with great humility, recognizing that we are worthless, that we are inferior to God. Two with faith, recognizing who God is and what he can do. And three with modesty, saying, not my will, but at the end of the day, your will be done. This is what I desire, Lord, but your will be done at the end of the day. Number four with prudence. 
and that she takes hold of Christ by his own words and gently turns his reasoning against himself into an argument for obtaining her desires. So what is this? For with prudence, recognizing what does it say in Holy Scripture? What does it say according to our tradition? Are we asking for something that is against the will of God? If we are desiring, we're praying, God, please help me to win the lottery. Is that, is that something that we should be asking for? And I wonder. So make sure you're asking things with prudence. So one, with great humility. Two, with great faith. Three, with modesty. Four, with prudence. And the fifth, with reverence. With reverence, with religion and devotion, because she made her supplication on her knees. When we ask for something, we should ask for it with reverence, recognizing that God is, in fact, God. We should not ask for something. For instance, if you are a parent and your child went up to you and went up and started demanding things of you, standing up and just telling you, hey, mom, do this for me, you would be very offended by that. Would you not? In the same way, we should have even greater disposition when we're talking to God. We should have much reverence when we talk to God. So one, with great humility. Two, with great faith. Three, with modesty. Four, with prudence. Five, with reverence. Six, with resignation. And that she did not say, heal my daughter, but help me in the manner which shall seem the best. We talked about this before in the other points. Number seven, with confidence, because we recognize that God will do it. Because he says here, because although a Gentile, she had firm hope that she would be heard by Christ. Eighth, with ardor. Ninth, with charity, in that she made intercession for her daughter as if she were anxious for herself, saying, help me. And tenth, with constancy and perseverance, in that she persisted when she was twice repulsed and became yet more earnest in prayer. Truly, says Chrysologus, uh, deservedly is she adopted as a daughter and raised to the table, who in her humility placed herself beneath the table. St. Lawrence Justinian, the first patriarch of Venice, imitated this woman who prayed thus to God when he was at the point of death. I dare not ask for a seat among the happy spirits who behold the Holy Trinity. And nevertheless, thy creatures ask for some portion of the crumbs of thy most holy table. It shall be more than enough for me. Oh, how much more than enough, if thou wilt not refuse some little place to this, thy poor servant, beneath the feet of the least of thine elect. That is the attitude which we should have in prayer. Take her as a model. One, with great humility. Two, with great faith. Three, with modesty. Fourth, with prudence. Fifth, with reverence. Sixth, with resignation. Seventh, with confidence. Eighth, with ardor. Ninth, with charity. And tenth, with constancy and perseverance. And with that, at 15 past the hour, we're going to cover some breaking news. Hi, it's your conscience here again. You know you want it. I'm talking, of course, about the 2023 Mercedes-Benz CLA 250C. And on Friday, February 24th, it could be all yours if your name is drawn. Just go to grnonline.com or call 888-784-3476. Tickets are $25 each or five for 100. So what are you waiting for? 
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Can you really say you know what praying the rosary is all about? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, listen to the who's who of the rosary. We have the Blessed Trinity. We have the Angel Gabriel. We have the Virgin Mary. We have John the Baptist. And we have Elizabeth. So how's that for a cast of sacred ones? Secondly, reflection. While saying the rosary, we reflect on 20 primary and sacred moments that occur in the lives of the Holy Family. And thirdly, the rosary dynamics. Here's how you involve this cast of holy ones in praying the rosary. You first invoke the three persons of the Blessed Trinity. Then, on to praying the Apostles' Creed. Then you will pray in Our Father. Then you will recite the Angel Gabriel's words to Mary. Then you'll recite what Mary said to Elizabeth. And then you will relive John the Baptist being filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb. Then you will ask for Mary's assistance in your life. And I'm so glad to say none of that is idolatry. And welcome back, my fellow Radical Christians. You're listening to the Catholic Drive Time. I'm your host, Adrian Fonseca. And there's a lot of stories that are very concerning, but this story I thought was particularly concerning. And I'm actually inviting the FBI whistleblower who reported on this onto the show. Maybe he'll be able to join us next week. Kyle Serafin, we've actually had him on in the past, uh, months ago, to talk about whenever he became a whistleblower against the FBI. And uh, this is very concerning. The headline reported by LifeSite News is FBI whistleblower releases docs showing agency is surveilling, quote, radical Latin mass Catholics. The memo cited a 2021 study from the Anti-Catholic Southern Poverty Law Center to justify the FBI's monitoring efforts. LifeSite News reports a document released by an FBI whistleblower indicates the agency plans to intensify its assessment and mitigation of radical traditionalist Catholics over the next 12 to 24 months due to alleged concerns that white nationalists are increasingly making common cause online with attendees of the Latin Mass. Now, I'm just going to tell you right now, I... I'm very familiar with people in the traditional Latin mass communities of people who have been categorized as radical traditionalist Catholics. And this is very concerning. This is why labeling our fellow Catholics who believe in the, in the Catholic faith as radical traditional Catholics, because then they use those labels that normal people are being called and they'd like to brand them as white nationalist. Now, my friends who are part of this group, we come from a very diverse background. There's Asians. There are Hispanic people. There are people who are black. There are people who are ethnically Jewish. Uh, all these people were all part of the traditional Catholic community. And my own uh, a group, I have several group chats that I'm in of people that I know in real life. They're not just people in group chats. Filipino, uh, Mexican, uh, various uh, Hispanics, meaning like different parts of Latin America. Uh, the and then of course Americans, and to to lump in white nationalism, that's absurd. In fact, it's kind of funny. Most of my friends are not even white. In fact, most of them are Hispanic to just varying different uh, ethnicities of Hispanic. The idea that they're white nationalists is is quite absurd. And also, we'll get into this in a second. I'll continue reading. The bombshell eight-page memo was released by former FBI agent-turned-whistleblower Kyle Serafin on un- Uncovered DC Wednesday. 
He says he obtained the document from an anonymous Baptist employee for the agency. It's also funny. I was listening to an interview he was doing whenever he released this, and he said that that his his Baptist um, whistleblower that provided him this document, he said he now identifies as a radical Baptist. Uh, so there you go. Radical. He said he identifies as a radical traditionalist Baptist because he's like, yeah, because the reason why they're coming after these Catholics is specifically and mostly because they're against LGBT ideology and abortion, which I don't know if this is um, news to the FBI, but that's just Catholic teaching. I don't know. I mean, maybe you would you consider yourself a traditional Catholic? I, I don't know. Maybe you would. Maybe you wouldn't. I don't know how you would identify in that way. But I bet whatever kind of Catholic you say, maybe you say I'm a JP2 Catholic or I'm an Orthodox Catholic or I'm just Catholic. Whatever it is, however you kind of label yourself, do you believe in LGBT ideology? Do you support abortion? Well, if you don't. Well, technically, by this definition, you are considered a radical traditionalist Catholic. Did you know that that's what you were? I don't know if you knew that. Let's continue. In general, I'm skipping ahead, so if you want to check out the entirety of the article, LifeSite News, uh, you can find it there. Here it says, in general, the report shows an above-average understanding of the various pro-Latin mass communities in the church, including the Fraternal Society of St. Peter, otherwise known as the FSSP, the Priestly Society of St. Pius X, otherwise known as the SSPX, the SSPX Resistance, which is a group that's split from the SSPX, as well as set of a conscious groups. It notes that the FSSP and SSPX have houses of worship in the Richmond area. It also says, and this is very, very, very concerning. It also says other FBI investigations, local law enforcement reports, and an unnamed liaisons have helped compile its findings. An indication that per- persons familiar with these communities have been in touch with the intelligence officials. That's very concerning, because it's what is that saying? Let me translate for that to. Uh, let me translate that for you. So the, spy among us. Exactly. FBI agents are in these communities. They are people who are infiltrating. One might say the different communities here. Trademark trademark uh very very interesting i would say skipping ahead in this article it says the report alleges that its real motivation is a concern that quote radical traditionalist catholic ideology end quote possesses a anti-semitic anti-immigrant anti-lgbt and white supremacy outlook and that this present threats to the u.s domestic well-being the report further claims that adherence to the RTC, Radical Traditionalist Catholic Ideology, frequently share language and symbolism such as crusader references or anti-Semite discourses online that pro-life white nationalists also support. Pro-life white nationalists. Ooh. See, this is the problem with labeling everybody white nationalist. If someone was really and truly a white supremacist, that would be bad. It was not good to be a white supremacist. But... Because they categorize everybody as a white nationalist, as a white supremacist, it means nothing to me. If you call somebody a white supremacist, I'm going to immediately just ignore you because I don't know if you're telling the truth, and I just presume you're lying to me. They've been doing that for so long now, just outing people, calling them racist just to shut down a conversation. Uh, The other day, they they labeled an attack on on Antifa as a racist attack, and as I was watching the video... All the attackers attacking Antifa were Filipinos, so yep. I'm I'm just dumbstruck. I, I I ignore it too when they when they accuse us of that. 
Yeah, here's another thing about that. Like you're saying here, they mentioned the SSPX. Uh, the the Archbishop of the, the SSPX, the founder, Marcel Lefebvre, he was a missionary in Africa for most of his life. He spent most of his life with the African community. The SSPX has a huge presence in the Philippines and still has presence in Africa today. How, how could you call these people racist? And anti-immigrant... Now, if you're saying that they support having borders, well, yeah, that's basic Catholic teaching. We believe in borders. I mean, look at the Vatican. The Vatican has a wall. But that being said, like I mentioned a second ago, the vast majority of my friends that are in the traditional community are Hispanic. I have friends who, like the the Fraternity of St. Peter, as mentioned here, they have a huge major seminary being built in Mexico because they have a massive uh, movement of people who are joining the traditional communities in Mexico. At your church, uh, Tito, you go to Our Lady of Walsingham, which was made for English Catholics. So you would think, oh, that's where there would be lots of white supremacists. You know, they're supporting their all white people. Uh, how many Hispanic people go to your church, Tito? Roughly 60% of their congregates are Hispanic. <laughs> Isn't that strange? Isn't that strange? These, these groups that you would imagine these would be, these white supremacist groups, have so many, these anti-immigrant groups have so many immigrants. Isn't that weird? Yeah, it's First-generation immigrants are large. We even have a, a growing community of Nigerian families coming also. That's, I've noticed that as well. There's a lot of Nigerian families that come to the Trish Latimas communities as well. It's very interesting. I want to continue on to this path. It says here, the document then compares the followers of RTC, Radical Traditionalist Catholic, ideology to ordinary, quote, traditional Catholics who simply prefer the Latin Mass and pre-Vatican II teachings and traditions, but without the more extremist ideological beliefs and violent rhetoric. So basically they're saying here, we are okay if you just like the Latin Mass because it's pretty, but if you actually like believe in the, in the teachings of the church and you, and you believe in these, quote, extremist ideological beliefs, well, that, that's bad. It continues... The memo identifies nine traditionalist Catholic organizations allegedly guilty of promoting RTC ideology. Catholic Family News, The Remnant, The Fatima Center, Tradition in Action, Slaves of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, Culture Wars, In the Spirit of Sharts, Christ or Chaos, and Catholic Apologetics International. This is uh, interesting because Catholic Apologetics International, that's, if I'm not mistaken, that's Robert Sungenis. And he, it was my understanding, he was pretty mainstream Catholic. I've seen Major him do public debates with, uh, with Protestants defending the uh, doctrines of the church against Sola Scriptura, uh, arguments on the Bible. I've never heard him say anything that I thought was controversial. I really didn't hear him talk about the controversial issues that much, to be honest. It's mostly inter-Christian debates, so I don't really know what that's about. The Catholic Family News, I am not familiar too much with uh, the people involved in that, but from what I've seen, I know my friend Dr. Anthony Stein writes for them, and I've never seen anything that I thought was that was bad. No, they're, they're not even hardcore traditionalists. They're traditionists mainline. Right, I that's what say. I thought as well. Yes. That's what I was thinking as well. The Fatima Center, another that's uh, Father Gruner. Some people are very upset with Father Gruner, so whatever you think about them, sure, if you don't like them, that's fine. Uh, however... To say that they are anti-Semitic, to say that they are white supremacist because they support the visions of the of Portuguese visionaries, Portuguese, um, Fatima, Our Lady Fatima. It, these people are white supremacists. That doesn't make sense. Tradition action. I like a lot of what Tradition Action puts out. I'm not a huge supporter of Tradition Action because they are actually a 
a splinter group from the TFP, which I am a big supporter of. Uh, but I know I've spoken with Marion Horvat, who runs Tradition Action, and she's definitely not this what you would these people would call white supremacist. In fact, Tradition Action is very, very anti-Nazi, anti-fascist. They write articles against fascism all the time, so that's absurd to put there. The slaves of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I'm pretty sure they're probably putting them there because of their teaching that there's no salvation outside the church. That's my guess. So the, these groups, I mean, I know a lot of these groups. I know some of these groups, I know people in it personally. Other groups, I know them by reputation. And this is absurd. Bishop Strickland of Tyler, Texas, he's put out, and I'm just going to read his uh, comments on this, and we'll conclude with that. Uh, sadly, the experience of Mark Houck provides evidence that this type of surveillance is not beyond the realm of possibility. It underscores our society's deep ignorance of what it means to be a true disciple of Jesus Christ, or as presently stated, radical traditional Catholic. Our Lord tells us to love our enemies and to pray for those who persecute us. Deeply committed Catholics are the last people the authorities should be concerned about. Yes, committed traditional Catholics will defend the unborn and others who are helpless, but attacks of violent aggression are antithetical to what it means to be radically committed traditional Catholic. Let us pray for all in positions of authority, and especially those in law enforcement. This is excellent from Bishop Strickland. I 100% agree with Bishop Strickland on this point. If you are a traditional Catholic, you can't be a white supremacist because Catholic means universal because we love the universal church. We love the faith, and that's what we care about. We cannot be a white supremacist to be a traditional Catholic. You cannot. None of these things make sense. They're not coherent. Uh, I'll let uh, y'all have a last word, Tito or Rudy, if y'all have any thoughts. We have about 30 seconds, 40 seconds. It is seconds. so silly that the FBI is looking into this. I I blame a lot of it on, on the narrative that came from the Southern Poverty Law Center. Back in the 60s, they were a great organization to defend the rights of the downtrodden, such as the community of Af- African Americans. But today, they're just a left-wing uh, uh, social club that just will smear any organization does not walk the woke line that that's my two cents for absolutely all right joining us in the next part is brent haynes hello this is steve gleason with your one minute tool for catholic evangelism here's the question for your non-catholic friend your only daughter met a fine young man who was a committed mormon she now wants to join his church what's your answer well here's your three best friendship tools for catholic evangelism number one a reason for no doctrinal positions such as the deity of jesus and the trinity your reason for yes you deem seemingly moral character as superseding biblical truth. Secondly, orthodoxy. Your answer is probably no, but how and why? Your resistance to Mormon doctrine does not just come straight down from the Bible. It comes from the first five centuries of brilliant theologians, bishops, and popes. These Catholics wrote, debated, and fought for truth. Example, in 250 AD, 311, and 417, three different popes excommunicated three different heretics, Sibelius, Arius, and Pelagius. They denied the Trinity, the eternal deity of Jesus, or taught that human effort warranted salvation. Would your pastor excommunicate a heretic? Well, unfortunately, your pastor can only remove someone from his local congregation. But that's okay. That guy will probably end up being welcomed at a church down the street. Hey, Sita, how do you ask, do you love Catholic radio in German? Liebst du das katholische Radio? How about support it by purchasing car raffle tickets for a 2023 Mercedes-Benz CLA 250? Unterstütze es mit dem Kauf eines Tickets, mit dem du einen 2023 Mercedes-Benz CLA 250 gewinnen kannst. Hmm, okay. How about get yours at grnonline.com forward slash raffle? Kauf eins auf grnonline.com forward slash raffle. Thank you. I needed that for a PSA. Cool. When are you recording it? Right now. Oh, danke. Thank you.
Welcome back, everyone. This is Catholic Drive Time News, and these are the headlines. The St. Louis Post-Dispatch reports that the Archdiocese of St. Louis proposes 88 pastorates as part of of a downsizing plan. After hearing pleas from Catholics to save their churches, the Archdiocese has proposed new maps showing a consolidation of half of the 178 parishes across the region. New draft models form 15 geographic planning areas in all the All Things New reorganization. Several groups have been formed to vet and challenge these new proposals. Vatican News reports the Synod of the Ukrainian Greek Catholic Church has decided to move away from the Julian calendar, which will involve changing the dates of several fixed liturgical feasts. For the time being, however, Greek Catholics will continue to celebrate Easter on a later date according to the old calendar. The Julian calendar is presently used almost exclusively by the Russian Orthodox Church and other Eastern churches under the jurisdiction of the Patriarchate of Moscow. Until the Russian invasion of, of Ukraine, the Ukrainian Greek Catholics, including those of the diaspora, were divided on the issue. Instead, a survey showed that now more than 90% of Ukrainian Greek Catholics are supporting the move. Vatican News reports Pope Francis decries the human trafficking's disfiguring of human dignity in a video message released for the Ninth World Day of Prayer and Reflection Against Human Trafficking marked in the Catholic Church on the Feast of St. Josephine Bakita. The Catholic Church's annual observation was first introduced by Pope Francis in 2015. The UN separately marks its own World Day against trafficking in persons. And lastly, the pillar reports that another woman has come forward with allegations against Pavone. As this and other accusations mount against Frank Pavone, the head of Priests for Life says they have already been addressed. The woman told the pillar that she reported the harassment both to Priest for Life officials and to the Diocese of Amarillo while Pavone was incarnated there as a cleric. She is the second woman to come forward in recent weeks alleging Pavone's sexual advances, grooming behavior, and unwanted touching to junior employees. I'm Tito Edwards, and these are today's headlines through a Catholic lens. Thank you, Tito, for keeping us up to date. And before we jump into this interview with Brent Haynes, you know, we are actually giving away a brand new 2023 Mercedes-Benz CLA 250. Not a Mercedes-Benz. Note that. It's not a Mercedes. It's a Mercedes. Er, some people some people say? would say that wrong. I don't know who that would be, but some people don't know how to pronounce Mercedes. Mercedes-Benz. Um, but it's a Mercedes-Benz, and we're giving it away. How can you win, you're asking? Well, all you have to do is buy a ticket to be put in the drawing to win this year's prize. And if you all you have to do is go to grnonline.com. There's one ticket is $25 or five for $100. All you have to do is go to grnonline.com. Or if you want to be a super fan, if you want to be extra helpful, contact your local general manager and pick up some tickets and maybe sell a few on his behalf. That would be We'd be very grateful. And uh, tell them Catholic Drive Time sent you. It'll make uh, them... Uh, more gracious to us. They'd be like, oh, thank you very much, Adrian. And I just want to hear them say that. So let them know Catholic Drive Time sent you and go support your local general manager. But joining us right now is Brent Haynes, a district attorney, Brent Haynes. He is uh, well known in the district attorney sphere as Catholic freedom fighter. I believe that's right. Uh, Is that true, Brent Haynes? Well, no, my public job 
is different than what I do privately, but I speak and on uh, religious liberty issues and pro-life issues. I became Catholic 17 years ago after being drawn in, like many people, by my activity in the pro-life movement when I was in private practice. I would uh, testify at the state legislature on pro-life bills regarding parental, lo- parental rights. Uh, I was shocked when I learned that uh, people, uh, that girls who weren't adults could get abortions without their parents learn, uh, even knowing about it, much less uh, having, um, having to get their parents' permission. Um, and even when they uh, were notified, it effectively denied the parents the opportunity to be able to do anything because of the notification procedure. So I testified on that several times. And one thing led to another, and here I am as a 17-year Catholic. Ah, oh, praise be to God. And Brent Haynes, did you watch the State of the Union live? I will confess, I was uh, going to turn it on, and I was going to watch it live. But then I was like, I need to get a root canal, and that sounds like more fun. And so I did that instead. Uh, I'm just kidding. I didn't do that. But I really did not. I didn't watch it live. I was like, I'll watch it when it's over so I can watch it at two times the speed because uh, Joe Biden sounds much more co- more coherent at two times the speed. Uh, Brent Haynes, did you watch the State of the Union live? I did. Um, I was working late anyway, um, but I had decided. So I turned it on and listened to it while I was uh, still doing some work from home. But... I was going to watch anyway, but not for the ideological comment content so much or the policy statements, which, you know, were not surprising. I watched for the same reason a lot of other people said they watched. I watched because I wanted to see how well he would do. He, mm. uh, the president is just undeniably and, and, and unfortunately, sadly, uh, in a state of cognitive decline. He is the most powerful or supposed to be the most powerful man in the world. And his cognitive health is very important. We've seen one mistake after another. Uh, we've seen doctors come out and give some suggestions about their analysis of what they can perceive from his behavior. So I was watching to see how well he would get through it. And he got through it pretty well on that level. On that level. There was at least that one instance where he slurred that one word, which nobody could understand. Of course, it's been replayed many times by uh, his political opposition. But he not only slurred it, you know, he didn't even catch the fact that he slurred it. Um, yeah. Sometimes we'll say a name that is wrong, and he did that often. I, mean, I do that constantly. I <laughs> yeah, I do that constantly, too. You know, or sometimes you might say one thing when you think you're saying another, but you still say a real word. He didn't do that. Um, I believe he also got Tyree Nichols' name wrong a second time when he referred to him. Uh it's interesting too that he just got so angry. Now he has a tendency to get angry anyway. You know, he's always been that way. He has a he has a real mean streak. Yeah, uh, I but, I did notice that. I saw some doctors talking about the fact that the one of the signs of Alzheimer's it can actually be a random outburst, being uh, getting loud all of a sudden, or getting angry all of a sudden, and then getting quiet all of a sudden. Like those those changes in volumes randomly. It could be a sign of Alzheimer's, which we started to see towards the end of his speech. He was uh, fluctuating all over the place, which seemed a little incoherent because it didn't. The tone didn't match what he was saying. You know, I actually crossed paths with him literally in the state capitol once uh, decades ago, probably in the 1980s. Um, I spent some time on Capitol Hill for a couple of congressmen as an intern and. I started college in Washington, D.C. and was active, helped with an event at the White House for Ronald Reagan. So 
I've been around politicians uh, in D.C. itself as well as just being involved in politics off and on over the years. And he was coming through the Capitol with his entourage behind him. And of course, he was a much younger man then. But I just remember as we crossed paths, we briefly made eye contact. And I was struck by the fact that he had not only a very intense look in his eyes when he looked at me, but, you know, almost, uh, you know, an unpleasant, unkind uh, look or a menacing look, which is surprising because politicians are usually out to win people over. You know, politicians usually uh, are quick to smile, make eye contact, shake your hand. Hello, Mm -hmm. I'm so-and-so, vote for me, you know, that kind of attitude. Um, and it made enough of an impression on me that it just really stuck with me all these years. So uh, probably not just a coincidence, you know, that I happened to catch him at that moment. Maybe he had a headache, you know. Right. But he has this history of just outburst, and he has a definite mean streak. Uh, there's a video from the 1980s where he gets into it with a man at some political event, I mean, close range, you know, it's retail politics, and he's telling the man that he has a higher IQ, and this is where he went on his famous tirade of, uh, I, had, I graduated with three degrees in college, and I was in the top half, not true. I, gra- I was the top political science student in college, not true. I was uh, graduated in the top half of my law school class, not true. He graduated almost at the very bottom, and he keeps telling me, I'll bet my IQ is higher than yours. Uh, remember on the campaign trail, uh, Back during the presidential campaign, you know, he said he'd like to go out and punch uh, Donald Trump. Um, <laughs> yeah, he, I mean, that's very concerning. Has, it's very concerning. And I mean, I would never tell anybody that my IQ is higher. I would say that my IQ is probably probably lower than anyone I would speak to. Uh, but, you know, my my claim to fame is, you know, the is the great Terry and Jesse line. I, I just love they have some great, great little quips. They say, uh I'm a common sense Catholic, and common sense is not very common, and uh, that's kind of uh, where I'm at. But you know, the the thing before we get in the next segment, I want to talk about the get into the details of the speech. But uh, just what was your your gauging the look at at the situation before the president walked in? I saw Mitch McConnell wearing a Ukrainian tie, and then many, many, many people, Republicans and Democrats, were all wearing Ukrainian uh, flag pins. I was very surprised by that. Uh, what was your analysis, uh, re- real quickly? We have about a minute before break. Well, look, I mean, there are clearly some critics of the invol- of involvement in Ukraine, but from a traditional American point of view, uh, Ukraine is its own country that has been invaded by an aggressive imperialistic neighbor who happens to be a political adversary of the United States, a real menace to the people of their own country in terms of civil rights and political freedom. So it's natural that sympathies are going to be with the, with the people who are invaded, whose, whose citizens are being killed, whose women are being killed, whose civilians are being targeted by the military. So I'm not surprised by that. All righty. Thank you, Brent Haynes. Uh, we're going to go to a break real quickly, and Brent Haynes is going to stay on the line, and we're going to have him on to talk about some of the things that Joe Biden said. For instance, our Catholic president, he comments on abortion. What does he say? Will you be surprised? Probably not. He talks about guns. He talks about LGBT ideology. Uh, Will we be surprised about anything? Probably not. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. How much havoc would be caused at your church if your pastor brought a big statue of St. Peter or St. Paul and placed them in the sanctuary? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, history's on the side of the Catholic Church. Christian art, in many forms, dates way back to about 120 A.D., and so do those various Christian symbols which we still see today. You know, a dove, a fish, a lamb. Why are those okay? Secondly, the Bible, Exodus, Numbers, 
in Ezekiel. All these books show God telling Moses, David, or Ezekiel to carve out images of angels that were used in worship. And, and thirdly, a tough comeback, especially for my guy friends. Does Cooperstown, Canton, or Cleveland mean anything to you? Yep, the Hall of Fame locations filled with statues, jerseys, bats, and balls. Memorabilia is a $37 billion industry, but you say, don't bring a statue into my church. Well, how many of you guys have admired one of those bronze statues of an athlete? I'd rather stare at St. Peter's, Paul, and Mary in my church, and I'm not talking about the old folk band. I bet you're wondering to yourself, how can I win a 2023 Mercedes-Benz CLA 250C? Easy. Just go to grnonline.com or call 888-784-3476. Only $25 a ticket or five tickets for $100. The drawing is February 24th, 2023. So, do you feel lucky? Well, do ya? Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. And joining us right now is District Attorney Brent Haynes and a Catholic Freedom Fighter. He shared with us in the last hour a little bit about his experience with that. And we're going to be discussing the State of the Union address. You know, the State of the Union, you know, I'm not as much, I don't hate it as much as other people. I don't really watch it uh, live whenever it's, uh, people like Joe Biden, where I'm like, this is going to be a train wreck. I would rather watch it on on double speed, where it sounds better. Everything seems more coherent. And but I actually don't hate it because I kind of like the idea that it's kind of a a vestige of the king coming to Parliament. Because you know I will be the monarch one day, and so I want people to start facilitating the uh, the traditions. So whenever I become the supreme ruler of Texas of America. Uh, I will be able to adopt those without too much trouble. But joining us right now is Brent Haynes. Brent, you know, the things were, it seemed very, he, he said a lot of things. A lot of them seemed to be okay, other than the fact that most of it were not true. Uh, but just from the words that came out of his mouth, they were, in fact, uh, didn't seem that bad. For instance, he was like, oh, we have a great unemployment. We have great this. We have great that. A lot of things were not true. But it wasn't until the end of his speech, the last about, Five or six pages. I say pages because uh, Jack Posobiec got a hold of his transcript before the speech and was uh, reading it <laughs> and live tweeting what he was going to say next before uh, before he said it. And I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, but the last five or six pages of it, he starts talking about all the hot button issues. Uh, let's start with abortion and something that's very dear to your heart. The our Catholic president. Joe Biden speaks about abortion. What does he say, and why is it concerning Brent Haynes? Well, and by the way, just to be clear, I'm, uh, I'm not a district attorney. I do work for a district attorney. Oh, you work for That's a district attorney. That's my day office. job. Yes. I'm, I'm speaking now, of course, uh, just in my private capacity. Uh, you know, I almost get tired of hearing about how somebody such as Joe Biden, and he's one of many, as we know, is a Catholic, but he supports abortion. Uh, look, he's a nominal Catholic. You know, is he baptized? Is he confirmed? Is he going to be held accountable for those uh, those things? Sure. And I'll let theologians debate that and talk about, you know, the extent of all of that. But we just have a, a seemingly endless number of nominal Catholic politicians out there who are just ardent uh, pro-choice or pro-abortion policy advocates, 
And Joe Biden happens to be the most famous one right now because he is the president. It doesn't surprise me that he's contradicting his faith. That's Nancy Pelosi. You know, all of them. Remember Nancy Pelosi went on the talk shows just a few years ago and was trying to defend her position by referring to something from the early church fathers. You know, that's Nancy Pelosi, you know, Catholic theologian. Not surprised that Biden would do that. Uh, it's the State of the Union. He is going to appeal to his base to a certain extent. There's a, something of a tradition where the State of the Union is supposed to bring the people of the country together. Joe Biden said he was going to do that. He said he was going to be a, a uniter, not a divider, when he ran. He has had the most divisive presidency, with the possible exception of President Obama's. But probably even more so, he's had the most divisive presidency uh, in the United States, at least in modern history. And it's normal that he will make an appeal to his base. But what he said in terms of uh, abortion was... You know, his big applause line was, if Congress passes a law to outlaw abortion, that I'm going to veto it. You know, this is the applause line, right? And it's normal for presidents to do that. But it should have some connection with political reality. And the political reality here is there's not any chance at all that such a bill is going to pass Congress because half of Congress, the United States Senate, is controlled by a majority of the president's party, which is officially pro-choice or officially, you know, pro-abortion legalization, if you put it politely. There's no chance at all that such a law is going to pass. You know, and he's up there saying this again, very vehemently, uh, as if this is some sort of real threat. You know, if he, if he had said something like, you know, we will continue to fight for abortion rights and and uh, implementing our federal policies and, I, and do what really started with Barack Obama, saying I'm going to use and have used my authority as president to issue executive orders to protect this important fundamental right of women to reproductive freedom. That would have been entirely normal. I think that part of the speech was poorly written. I think it uh, it makes you you know wonder uh, about the speechwriters or. Um, you know, just why it was phrased that way it might, might seem like an overdone criticism, but when I heard that, I just thought that was just odd. And I'm not the only uh, commentator to say that. Uh, you know, some others made those remarks, too. Um, there's just no chance that a law like that's going to pass Congress. You know, uh, the, the almost more... Say, I'm gonna... Go ahead. Well, for him to say, I'm going to veto that bill, I mean... You know, it's almost like you're looking over your shoulder going, you know, who's he talking to? What's he talking about? Um, but it's not surprising that he would come out and say something in, in favor of abortion because that's his belief. That's his political policy. And uh, he, he obviously his religious scruples on that uh, went by the wayside over the years. Yeah, I guess you really can't categorize Joe Biden as a radical traditionalist Catholic um, like the FBI is investigating. But the you're onto something now. You're onto something now, Rudy, <laughs> uh, Adrian. Uh, well, you know the other thing that was concerning to me that I thought was probably the most important because he did he talked about ban assault weapons now, and then he also talked about blaming the police for violent crime. Those are two things that were concerning, and if we have time, I want to talk about those. But the 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 biggest thing that I thought was was very concerning was the Equality Act and talking about the support of LGBT ideology. That's very concerning because that's something that we're seeing being fought back on the state level in many places. And to see him saying, because, you know, part of the State of the Union, one, one of the intentions there is for the president to tell 
the Congress and the Senate. This is what I want to be done in the country. Uh, go after it. And he talks about supporting the Equality Act, the, quote, bipartisan Equality Act, and the support of LGBT ideology. What are your thoughts on that, Brent Haynes? Look, we could spend an entire radio program from beginning to end on this. This is extremely serious. Um, the What was alarming about what he said is especially transgender young people. And what this comes down to is it, uh, is an endorsement of, and the administration is giving its active, proactive support uh, for this effort. Schools around the country are practicing and promoting what they call affirming curricula. And schools have, are putting in place policies where if a young person, and they could be 8 years old, they could be 12 years old, they could be 15 years old. If the young person says, you know, I think I'm the opposite sex. I want to change my name from Jack to Jill or from uh, Sam as in Samuel to Sam as in Samantha. Schools actually have policies in place where the teachers and the administration are prohibited from telling the parents. So they keep it secret from the parents. At the same time, and this has been documented by uh, excellent journalists out there, especially Christopher Rufo, who is a research fellow at the Manhattan Institute. He's uncovered this, for example, in Chicago. There is a school-to-hospital pipeline. So this, the children say this, and you can imagine the social encouragement. This is really a matter of social contagion. That the school helps them, the students say it, the school helps them along with it. They don't tell the parents. Then they can easily or often be referred to medical providers who will help them with treatments or help promote that kind of activity, all while trying to keep it secret from the parents. This is a complete, let's forget common sense for a moment. Let's forget being common sense Catholics. Let's think about people who aren't Catholic but are still parents and concerned about their children. This is a complete violation of parental rights. Um, it, leaving aside the fact that it's just also contrary to any sensible medical practice. This is, a, is being outlawed in Europe. This is a radical, radical program, and Joe Biden is putting the full force of the United States government, especially the Department of Justice and the Department of Education, behind this program. And the way it works, Adrian, is a school will be doing something. And let's say they don't meet the approval of the administration. The Department of Justice will send a warning letter to them, basically, or uh, they will issue what's called a um, guidance. You might have heard that word. Guidance is sort of, it's almost risen to the level of being informal law. But there's no such thing as informal law. It's either law or it's not. Uh, it's not really law. It's informal. It's just, a, it's just an opinion by a lawyer. In this case, lawyers in the Justice Department. But what happens is the government then goes out and essentially turns it into a law because they go to schools and other people and organizations in the United States and they say, you're not following our guidance. And if you don't follow our guidance, we will sue you. Well, just try being sued by the United States Department of Justice and being dragged into federal court and see how easy that is to deal with. So even if you have a good local school board or good local schools or administrators, a lot of times they will pull under because they will just get crushed by or be really intimidated by the threat or possibility of a lawsuit by the Department of Justice. So this endorsement, especially for young people, of uh, essentially the uh, trans rights movement should be alarming to all parents across the country. 
And in the end, we know from the testimony and the evidence of people who have gone through this and who have gotten older and, and then come through it and tried to reverse, we know there are serious problems there. Um, it's being outlawed in Europe. It should not be legal here. Parents should be involved with the raising of their children. And it, it is a sad day when the President of the United States, who is, although nominally, uh, officially a Catholic, stands up there and puts the full force and power of the federal government behind something that is such a transgression, not only against common sense, but against human nature and the dignity of men and women as God created them. I know what you're saying, Brent. <clears throat> they seem, this is Tito. They seem to be putting that also against pro-lifers, not allowing them to pray in front of abortion clinics when they pass the FACE Act. And it just seems a growing trend since the Obama administration that they're just weaponizing federal agencies to put to quietly. And now we're un unveiling them, pushing publicly their agenda of of uh, throwing us into into jail, putting fines on us and suing us in in, uh, in court. And, and you're right. The DOJ, when you go up against the DOJ, you have a 1% chance of winning. Woo! I didn't know that. Woo, so, that's crazy. Well, it's, yeah, it's, and, you know, Mark Houck, he got invited to the State of the Union, so he actually got to sit in on that. Uh, that was pretty cool. That I, forgot, I don't know who it was who invited him, but he was invited by uh, someone to, to be there. Uh, but, Britt Haynes, we're just about out of time. Last minute, or less than a minute, uh, what is the State of the Union from your perspective? In one sentence. Look, this was nothing more than an uh, endorsement of a divided country. They're pushing the most radical divide of ideas in the country. It's not going to bring the country together. Amen. Amen. That's very true. So what does that mean for us? That means we have to pray. We have to fast. We have to do penance because Lent's coming up, and it's an opportunity to offer up your sufferings for our country. For the conversion of souls and the liberty and exaltation of Holy Mother Church, that is our mission. So let's take up our cross today and sacrifice for the things that we love. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Debbie Giorgiani. And I'm Adam Bly. We're the hosts of The Spirit World every Saturday morning on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Join us as we help answer your questions on angels, demons, and how the physical and spiritual worlds interact. That's the Spirit World from the Station of the Cross Studios every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Central, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Is the very contemporary and popular idea that a faith alone salvation, which occurs by repenting of sins and asking Jesus in one's hearts, sufficient to enter and warrant heaven upon death? I say, no, it's not. Many evangelicals will say, just follow the Romans road, which is four verses snatched out of the book of Romans, and when followed, heaven is promised. Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible. The Gospels, nor the Epistles, nor the Apostolic and early Church Fathers ever wrote any like this mechanical approach. Secondly, the marriage experience. After wrongdoing and temporary departure from your family, does a simple one-time, hey honey, I'm really sorry, bring you back into the family? And thirdly, teaching of the Catholic Church, water baptism, loving God and neighbor, which is displayed by consistent acts of charity while maintaining a perseverant hope of heaven is the surest way to God's eternal presence. And my pesky comeback, that Romans road is presumptuous and significantly dumbs down the holy value and price of salvation. And remember, that Romans road has some potholes. Marty, the TRN is raffling off a 2023 Mercedes-Benz CLA 250C. Whoa, Doc, that's heavy. 
What, are we going to have to, like, go back in time to get tickets? Not at all, Marty. Just call 888-784-3476 or go to grnonline.com. We better hurry, Marty. The drawing takes place February 24th, the year 2023. We really need one of those smartphones, Doc. In your car, at the office, or in your home, we're always here. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Howdy, my name is Adrian Fonseca. I'm a parishioner at St. Luke's the Evangelist Catholic Church, and this is AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Cloudy with a chance of meatballs. Mmm, meatballs. Sounds Ooh. good. Meatballs huh? on pizza? Huh. So good. Yeah, so good. good down the street, so you can get some meatballs and spaghetti. Yeah. You know, I'm just, I love this looking at the, the, the change in colors, how it this, the sun, the rise has gradients. I love that. It's so nice. Though, I'll be honest, I'm not a huge sunrise person. I'm not like a someone who wants to get up early and look at the sunrise. Hmm. I, I rather, I like sunsets much more than I like sunrises. Yeah, I used to be a sunset guy, but I think I'm more of a sunrise guy now. After being on the show and seeing the, the sun come up and it's so epic on the birds and the, the wildlife here in Texas. Hmm. Woo-wee! Yeah, I want to be a sunrise guy, but... I'm more of a mid-afternoon fella, so... <laughs> You're like, sun beating down over my head kind of guy. Right above <laughs> my That's head. That's why I moved to Houston. <laughs> That's hilarious. No, but that, the conversation we had earlier today, I think, was a very good conversation. I'm, I think uh, Brent Haynes is always a, a, a ballpark, or a, not a ballpark, a, uh, a home run. There we go. My, me, me no sports. <laughs> uh, but the Touchdown. Touchdown. It was a... Uh, he he hit a touchdown. It was great. Thank you, Brent Haynes, for, for that. But, you know, I was actually inviting, I was telling Tito this and Rudy this during the break, I was actually inviting the FBI whistleblower on. I was in the process of messaging him on Twitter, and I asked him if he would be able to come on tomorrow, meaning today, and he uh, said, yeah, for sure. I definitely would be happy to come on. Let me know when. And I sent him the information, and then all of a sudden... Twitter's direct messaging shut down on me. I couldn't direct message him anymore. I couldn't send the message. Uh, nothing would go through. And then I went to go tweet and say, hey, is anybody else's direct messages going down? Just so I can check. Maybe it's maybe something's going wrong with Twitter. And then it said, my Twitter, I have been tweeting too much. I'm beyond oh, wow. the, the tweet limit for the day. I guess how many times I tweeted that day? Not once. I tweeted one time that day. Wow. And I was like, what? And so I went to go check their about page where it says uh, how many tweets you're allowed to do in a day. And it's like 5,000. <laughs> and so I was like, as long as you're not tweeting more than like 5,000 times in a day, you're good. And I'm like, yeah, I definitely did not tweet 5,000 times. So I was like, maybe oh. I got hacked and someone's like spamming. So I went through my tweets and my replies and maybe it's nothing. like hidden. Nothing. Nothing. Adrian, every day I'm more and more vindicated. I'm I'm so happy that I... I <sighs> These conspiracy theories that I've I've held to believe to be true are actually true because yesterday also we lost a bunch of people on our Telegram chat. Thirty people got uh, excommunicated from the chat for no reason whatsoever. So if you got kicked out and you're wondering what happened to the channel, make sure to uh, look out for the email to sign up again. Yeah, what? I'm glad you said that because 
Yes, the tele. I didn't plug this today. I'm so glad you said that. The only people who are who are able to kick people out are me and Rudy. Yeah. So we're the only people who are admins in the account. So no one else can kick people out. And, and Rudy, there's a I log didn't do of it. actions that you can see who does what or what big changes happen. Nothing. Nothing. And <laughs> people just vanished. Thirty wow. people got kicked out. I just like logged in to share. I just did a video last night on Seventh Day Adventism on why we celebrate the Sabbath on Sunday, not Saturday. And I went to go send it in. I look over, I'm like, everybody's gone. What happened? And I was like, what's going on over here? When and I found it's out, crazy. Yeah, when I found out, I went through my Rolodex and started adding people that normally never responds to my emails. <laughs> That, with the exception of Father Dave Nick. Sorry, I just I, we needed a priest, so I threw you in there. I apologize, Father Dave. So uh, we've got we we might not have much interaction from some of the people I added, but uh, that's so funny. <laughs> well, we're gonna start. Uh, if if you uh, want to be in the Telegram chat, start replying, because uh, I'm gonna start purging people who might be FBI agents in the chat. I'm just saying. Uh, but, you know, in this hour, we have uh, a story I wanted to share with you. I'll talk about Vice News reporting about um, their their claim of victory. And then in the next segment at 30 past the hour, or I guess that's more 15 past the hour, rather, at 15 past the hour, we're going to have our game show, Fear and Trembling, where we, you can win some prizes. And it's going to be a lot of fun. So you can find the number. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT there. You can find our phone number if you want to call in early or if you want to uh, join our email list. It's also there at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. In the email list, we send you unique content every week. And this week, I might send either the documentary. I think I said at the beginning of the week I was going to send that documentary I did on Our Lady of Fatima. Yes. Uh, So that's probably what I'll send this week. And uh, then also the link to join the Telegram chat. So that's going to close. It's going to be locked. No one can join after Ash Wednesday. So make sure you join before then because we're going to go through a Lenten devotion as a group. Uh, So if you want to join, make sure you do so by Ash Wednesday. The link to join is going to be in the email. So that's the only way to join. Or if you're in uh, Tito's Rolodex and he's going to randomly add you, that's also another place where you'll be randomly added. Uh, but otherwise, the only way to join is by email. Now, the story I thought was very concerning, and I want to get your take on this, uh, Tito. Vice News reported on this, which, you know, Vice is a uh, great name for for anything, yes. right? I'd love to be named after evil. They're trying to be uh, edgy. So. Uh, we're Vice News. We report on Vice. Vice. Great. That's a great name. Uh, it tells you everything you need to know about them. But they were talking about the fact that their the headline was, the Christian right is having a meltdown over the Satanic Grammys. The Christian right is in a tailspin after the Grammy Awards became Sam Smith and Kim Petras, which Kim Petras, if you don't know, is a transvestite. His real name is Tim. A fiery performance in Pfizer sponsorship. In this article, and I'm not going to read the whole thing because I don't really care too much about the actual article itself, but the point of the article was basically these right-wingers are freaking out about this, but this is good news because it shows that we have won the culture war. They're freaking out. We're doing all these things. We're putting this satanic imagery, and the general population doesn't really care. It's only these right-wing pundits who care about it. Uh, What do you think about that, Tito? That's... Two points. First, they, they think it's just right-wingers. There's a, there's a lot of uh, people on the left in Catholicism that are also offended 
by many of the things that they view on TV. And, and yes, I know that we can watch it at our own leisure and we're not forced to watch it. But we do have a right. We do have uh, the right to speak our mind. And so when they're trying to denigrate us like that, what I take away from that is is not that we're being called names. It's that it's nice to see that the Christians out there still get hot and bothered by what's going on in the culture, that we still have a deep undercurrent of, of, a, of a Christian death to us, that we still want to react to that. And I, and I, I believe many of the people that uh, have been upset are, are passive Christians on top of that. So that goes to show that even though people keep pushing the narrative that, oh, this country has more atheists and nons and nuns and uh, than, there, than the Christians that are decreasing, that, that is far from the truth. That is so far from the truth. That roughly 80 or 86% of Americans identify as Christian. Whether they're active or not, there's still a deep cultural sense of who they are, who they believe, how they lead their lives. And to see Vice come out like that and write, up, write us up like that, I'm happy with that. that, that I'm glad to see that we still get upset about despicable things in, in, the, in the culture today. Yeah, I know a lot of people will say things like, well, it's the Grammys, what do you expect? And they kind of dismiss everything and they, they try to say, oh, all these things, why do we even care about this? But we should care about it because it's what our kids care about. And it's what uh, the people in general, maybe not your kids, maybe your kids are homeschooled and you're separating them from society. You don't give them a cell phone. Oh, those are all good things. And I'm happy if you're doing that. But many kids and many kids of good Catholics go to public school. Maybe they, there's a reason why they can't send them to private school or, or actually private schools are not much better than public schools nowadays. But maybe you're those kids go to private school. Maybe they go to public school for whatever reason. They're not homeschooled. Maybe they have a phone, um, whether that's a good or bad idea. We should have, definitely do a show about that. But they, the, the kids are getting exposed to this. And so we should be outraged about it. We cannot just surrender the culture and let them have it and say, well, we know they're going to promote Satan in the culture, so let's move on. But Because remember, God is, is gravely offended by public acts against him. And God punishes nations on this life because nations don't have an eternal soul where they will be punished in the next life. That's why humans can get away with evil things in this life, because God's justice will be meted out no matter what. God's justice will be met, and that will happen for human beings in the next life. If you get away with murder, if you get away with doing evil things, you will puni be punished for it in the next life. But in this life, nations are have to be punished, because nations do cannot be punished in the next life because they do not have an eternal soul. St. Augustine writes about this in his City of God. So, all this to say, whenever I become supreme ruler of America, when I become king, my um, State of the Union will not be like this. My State of the Union will be much better, be promoting Christ the King, all those things. So make sure you, uh, if you're not going to if you're voting, write in Adrian for King, and whenever you vote, just throw it out there. Adrian, are you from the Bourbon line? Because I don't believe you can be king of, of Texas if you're not from the Bourbon line. Yeah. Not Napoleonic, not Valois, not Capetian. It has to be Bourbon. Yeah, we should have uh, Charles Colomon talk about the different uh, monarchy lines. That'd that be kind of fun. would be awesome. That'd be a fun conversation. Oh, yes. <laughs> but but getting, getting back to, to that article, we as, as Christians... Not only do we need to fast and pray, 
But in order for us to do God's will, we need to be active and participate in the life of, of uh, public uh, policy. And one way to do that is to speak your mind, uh, join civic groups, get involved, be active, because we can change this culture. We can do the impossible. Remember, we're not we're, as Christians. We're not supposed to be here and be comfortable. To Pope Pope Benedict the Sixteenth, God made us to be outstanding, to be great. We were made for greatness, not to be comfortable, not to be passive, and not to lock ourselves down in our parents' basement and 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 uh, watch the Grammys all night. Yeah, for sure. And the other thing about this is the profanation of Sunday. Sunday is such a holy day, and I've been reading a lot about this because I've been talking to Seventh-day Adventists and, you know, their, their obsession with um, Saturday. the fact that we have, to, we have to worship on Saturday. And so I've been talking about that, and I've been doing a lot of research on that topic. And, you know, Our Lady appeared, and what did she say? It was the apparition of Our Lady of, let me think, what is the name of the apparition of... Mm, I'm forgetting. Our Lady of Lords, Fatima. No, not Lords, not Fatima. Our Lady, who talked about blasphemy. What's who is that? That is what country? I'm forgetting at the top of my head at the moment. But Our Lady appeared, and she said that she that God was going to punish the world for what? She said because of blasphemy and the profanation of Sundays, because people were working on Sundays. Now, working on Sundays, La Salette. La Salette. Thank you very much, Rudy. Good. Uh, La Salette was the apparition, and she says that we, uh, she's, that our Lord's going to punish because of profanation of Sundays and blasphemy. So, are you blaspheming? When you need to stop, you need to correct that habit. Are you working on Sundays? Figure out a way to not work on Sundays. Figure out a manner in which you can make Sundays holy. If and then what do these people do? On Sunday, it was a Sunday evening when Smith and Petras won the award for best pop duo. For what song? Unholy. The song's name was Unholy. And they won on a Sunday, on a Sunday in order to profane the Lord's day. The day that our Lord rose from the dead. The first day of creation when the Father... Because Sunday is holy to the Holy Trinity. Because Sunday was a day in which God created the world. He began creation. God the Father created on Sunday. God the Son rose from the dead on a Sunday. God the Holy Ghost descended upon the people on, at Pentecost on a Sunday. This day is set apart by God from all eternity to be a day of holiness. So let's keep it holy. Let's meditate upon that today we're going to go to our game show fear and trembling if you want to join us 877-757-9424 is the number to call this week's prize some a special art package from my little sister you're gonna love this 877-757-9424 is the number to call if you want to play the game it's not hard anybody can win you just got to call 877-757-9424 Holy raffle, Batman! The GRN is raffling off a Mercedes-Benz CLA 250C. If we win, that could be our new Batmobile. Great idea, Robin. Uh, how do we get tickets? 
easy bet, man. Just go to grnonline.com or call 888-784-3476. Tickets are $25 for one or $100 for five. I knew you were good for something. Quick, hand me my bat phone. I promise to love you in good times and in bad, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health, till death do us part. On your wedding day, you made this vow to your spouse in the presence of God and all those present. These are not words to be taken lightly. And the reality is that the responsibilities of marriage and family can be challenging at times. Good times can become bad in the blink of an eye. Things like financial hardship and sickness, among others, very often bring about fears and anxieties that make it difficult to be as loving as we should be. There is a simple Latin phrase to keep on hand when fear and anxiety take over our thoughts. Quid est hoc ad aeternitatem. What is this in the light of eternity? In other words, keep things in proper perspective. While the challenges here on this earth seem like a big deal at the moment, they are but a flash in the pan compared to all of eternity in heaven. This has been a minute for your marriage and family from the Three Hearts Institute. Check us out on Facebook. Hi, I'm Debbie Giorgiani. And I'm Adam Bly. We're the hosts of The Spirit World every Saturday morning on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Join us as we help answer your questions on angels, demons, and how the physical and spiritual worlds interact. That's The Spirit World from the Station of the Cross Studios every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Central, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. is the number to call to join and the Fear and Trembling Game Show. Uh, do you know how to play the Fear and Trembling Game Show? It's not that hard. Do you listen every day? You should listen every day if you don't. The game show is very simple. I have three Catholic trivia questions here. And I'm not going to ask you. I'm instead, I'm going to ask Rudy and Tito. And I'm going to ask them three questions. And they're going to give me an answer. And it's your job to discern using all your abilities to discern who is right and who is wrong, who is being tricky, who is lying to you, and who is telling the truth. That's your job. It's a 50-50 chance of winning each question, and every question goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. And this week's prize is actually special to my heart because it's actually my little sister. If you go to on Instagram, Emily Fonseca Art on Instagram, Emily Fonseca Art on Instagram, you can check out what her some of her different pieces are. She is uh, in demand right now. She's been getting a bunch of contacts uh, about doing some art for different people, especially for churches and things like that. She has this beautiful painting of Saint Maximilian Kolbe and this beautiful painting of Our Lady, a statue of Our Lady, Madonna and Child, and a Garden of Roses. These two images of, that have been painted are prints, and they are will be shipped to you if you win this week's prize. And, you know, people always has, you would talk about your family's talents and hobbies, and you might say, oh, that's so nice of them. Oh, that's pretty good for a hobby. Wow. No, my sister is a professional artist, and she is top line 
And so you won't, you can't find art like this anymore. Like, they just doesn't exist. If you want art like this now, you have to go find some old artist that's been long dead. But my sister is doing is a part of this movement to try to revive classical realist uh, art. So very, very talented. Very, very cool. But joining us on the line is Joan. Joan, good morning to you. Hi, good morning. This is Joni and Daniel. Joni and Daniel. Good morning, Joni and Daniel. Where, where are y'all off to today? Well, uh, we just, he's going get, to get to school. He's actually going to go to the rodeo from his school, San Antonio Rodeo. That is and, awesome. And I just went to Mass at 6, and his confirmation saint is St. Maximilian Colby. Hey! St. Maximilian Colby. Pray for us. That's awesome. Hopefully, I'll be able to uh, win this week's prize, and then he can uh, hang that that uh, right up on his wall right there. St. Maximilian Colby, pray for us. That's, That's awesome. Uh, well, Amen. and uh, it's, so y'all mentioned you're from San Antonio. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Awesome. Praise be to God. And then the, the, the San Antonio Rodeo, you know, I, I've been to the Houston Rodeo many, many times. We used to, I used to go every single year, uh, last few years because of all the things going on. I haven't really been too much. But uh, how's the San Antonio Rodeo? Pretty good. It's, it's, it's smaller than the Houston Rodeo, but he's going to go with his class during the day today. That's awesome. That's pretty cool. I bet it must be nice to, to be able to go and on a weekday and during the day whenever nobody else will be there. Probably be nice and calm without all the crowds, huh? It should be fun. Awesome, awesome. Well, Joan, well, Daniel, thank you all for being our caller today. Do you all know how the game is played? Yes, but your questions were really hard yesterday. They were. They were actually pretty hard. <laughs> who I picked those questions? I know. Who did who that? Who did that? Who did that? I don't know who it was. <laughs> I, I blame um, the FBI. They probably came in, and they. I think they, they made the question. They swapped my cards out. Yeah. <sighs> Dang it. That must have been what it was. I'm pretty sure. Uh, but don't worry. I'm looking at these questions, and I think... I think you'll be able to get one of these. It might be a little difficult, but I think two out of three of them are pretty simple. I think you'll be able to get these. So don't you worry. So real quickly, uh, just to reiterate the game for anybody who is tuning in and uh, doesn't know what we're doing, we are playing our game, Fear and Trembling. And I'm going to ask Rudy and Tito three Catholic trivia questions. They're going to give me an answer. It's Joan and Daniel's job to tell me who's right and who's wrong. Are you all ready, Joan and Daniel? Mm-hmm. Awesome, awesome. Let's start with you, Rudy. Rudy, are you ready? I am ready. That's great, Rudy. I'm so glad that you're ready. So I expect nothing but perfection from you today. Okay. The first question, continence, mm-hmm. chastity, mm-hmm. and modesty battle which one of the seven deadly sins? That is going to be lust. Lust, you lust, say? Lust, yes. Okay. Fight against lust, continence, chastity, and modesty. Use those as your bulwark. Wow. That seems um, a little obvious, don't you think? You I think mean, so? I mean, I don't know. That seems too on the nose. I'm I, sure. I, hmm, you might be trying to see me. I'm not sure. Uh, Tito, what's with you? Uh, let's go with you. Okay. Continence, chastity, and modesty. They battle against which of the seven deadly sins? Continence. That's a, and chastity and modesty. Continence. Isn't that something to do with continental breakfast? No? Uh, probably not. No, but I, I do desire that. So I would go with desire. With desire. 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 Yes. Okay. Interesting. I didn't know that was, was, was one of the seven deadly sins. Mm. That's news to me. Okay. Joan and Daniel. This 
It's, this might be this might be too tricky for you guys. I don't know. This is a very very tricky question. Uh, Tito says that continence, chastity, and modesty battle against which one of the seven deadly sins? He says it's desire, whereas Rudy says it's lust. Uh, what say you, Joan and Daniel? Rudy, Rudy, Rudy. Rudy. <laughs> Nailed it. Way to go, wow. Joan and Daniel. I, I told you that was a very tricky question, right? Yeah, Daniel, you got your cowboy boots on. Not yet. Okay. Not yet. Oh, don't worry. I got mine on. I got mine on. <laughs> mine are ostrich skin. Ooh. Ah, very fancy. nice. I know. Very fancy. Uh, well, where to go, Joan and Daniel? Y'all navigated through a very, very tricky question. But let's go to question number two. Let's go with you, Tito. Yes. What is the official Latin title of Mary's response to her cousin Elizabeth? Mary's response to her cousin Elizabeth. That's a trick question, because isn't Elizabeth her aunt also? Is it her aunt also? Yeah. Well, I would go with Mater Magnificat. Magnificat, you say? Mm. Yes. Like the booklet published by the Dominican Friars. Yes. Okay. Yes, your, your favorite order. My favorite order, it's true. I love the Dominicans. They are, uh, one might say, the best. Uh, and so, let's go with you, Rudy. All Rudy, right. the question is, what is the official Latin title of Mary's response to her, cousin's, to her cousin Elizabeth? The official title in Latin is, what up, cuz? Wow. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. Okay. In the Hawaiian version of the Bible. Yes. In the Hawaiian version of the Bible. What is that called? I, there actually is a Hawaiian the version pigdin, of the Bible. Pigdin? It's, the pigdin? Pigdin? Is that version. what it is? No, yeah. pigeon. 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 Pigeon version. Pigeon to the max. Okay. Well, there you go, folks. Uh, Joan, Daniel, very tricky question. Another question. I don't know if you're going to be able to get this. This is uh, very difficult. So, Tito is saying that the official Latin title of Mary's response to her cousin Elizabeth is the Magnificant. Whereas Rudy says that it's what up, cuz uh, Joan and Daniel. What say you? Which who could be right? Who could be wrong here? This is very tricky. I don't know how you're going to get this one. It's, it's Tito. The Magnificat. The Tito nailed it. He wow. Two out of three of the most difficult questions we've ever had, and they have nailed it. This is very impressive. I think Daniel's feeding Joni the answers. I feel like Daniel's cheating. I think he's hustling us. Uh, but we're going to have to go into question number three. Are you ready, Joan and Daniel, for question number three? Yes, sir. Then let's do it. Question number three. What pope denied King Henry VIII permission to divorce his wife and marry Anne Boleyn? Let's, that's question will go to Rudy. Let me reiterate the question. Right. What pope denied King Henry VIII permission to divorce his wife and marry Anne Boleyn? Okay. That was Pope Pius the Sixteenth. Pope Pius fifteenth century. Wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. I, Pope Pius Sixteenth. Actually, that's uh, one of my favorite popes. Yeah, he's great. His oh, encyclicals—they're yeah. just—you know—you read it's back. Divine. Yeah, you read back, and you're like, "Wow, there's such clarity that we don't have this amazing. today." You know, it's amazing. Just amazing. He's prophetic. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Tito, the question is: What pope denied King Henry the Eighth? Permission to divorce his wife and marry Anne Boleyn. Ah, King Henry. Oh boy, I'd say Pope Clementine. No, no, Pope Clement the Seventh. Pope 
Clement the Seventh. Okay. Well, I don't know, Joan and Daniel, whether or not either of you all are history buffs, or if y'all have been, if Daniel has been paying attention to his history classes. But perhaps he might know this. What pope denied King Henry VIII permission to divorce his wife and marry Anne Boleyn? Is it Pope Pius XVI, as Rudy says? Or is it Pope Clement VII, as Tito says? 15 seconds on the clock. Joan and Daniel, what say you? Pope Clement did, he said. Pope Clement. Is it... There you go. Three Whoa, for three. Nice. Pope Clement VII. Do you know what year that uh, Pope Pius XVI died? Joan and Daniel, just for just out of curiosity. <laughs> Has there been a 16th yet? I don't think there's been a 16th yet. That you is correct. correct. Yay. Nailed it. That's the tricky, Good tricky. One. Yeah, the Pope Clement, he, I, 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 <laughs> reportedly, he died in um, 2029. In, in 2040. Hmm. Oh. <laughs> hmm. That's kidding. I, do I have a crystal ball? Am I seeing the future? Pope Pope Pius the Sixteenth, fifty twenty two. Maybe. Maybe. God willing. I love the Piuses. The Piuses are great, especially Pius the Fifth. If I ever became Pope, I'd be Pope Pius the Fifth the Second because I love Pope Pius the Fifth so much. <laughs> uh, but thank you for calling in, Jonah Daniel. Daniel, have a great day at the rodeo. Eat a turkey leg for me. I would love those turkey legs or some fried Oreos. If you got some fried Oreos, I love oh, those. Ride a bowl for me. us. For sure. Well, stay on the line, Joan and Daniel. We're going to get your contact information so we can put you in the coffee cup. If you win, we'll draw your name. We'll send you the prize. So stay on the line, but thank you for calling in. And that'll do it for today. Join us tomorrow, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, across the Guadalupe Radio Network for more Catholic Drive Time. With your latest news tomorrow, we're going to be talking about St. John Bosco. If you can join us at 30 past the hour, just coming up, we're going to be on our social streams interacting with you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. This morning's Mass is being offered for the repose of the soul of Deacon Medley, who is the father of Father Sam Medley, and for all of our online viewers and those joining us through Guadalupe Radio Media. God, we praise you. God, we bless you. God, we name you Sovereign Lord, Mighty King, whom angels worship, Father by your church adored. All creation shows your glory, heaven and earth draw near your throne. Singing, Holy, 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 Lord of hosts and God alone.
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Brothers and sisters, let us call to mind our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault, Therefore, I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Christe eleison Christe eleison Let us pray Keep your family safe O Lord with unfailing care that relying solely on the hope of heavenly grace, they may be defended always by your protection. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of Genesis. The Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a suitable partner for him. So the Lord God formed out of the ground various wild animals and various birds of the air, and he brought them to the man to see what he would call them. Whatever, man, whatever the man called each of them would be its name. The man gave names to all the cattle, all the birds of the air, and all the wild animals, but none proved to be the suitable partner for the man. So the Lord God cast a deep sleep on the man, and while he was asleep, he took out one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. The Lord God then built up into a woman the rib that he had taken from the man. When he brought her to the man, the man said, This one at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. This one shall be called woman, for out of her man this one has been taken. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and clings to his wife, and the two become one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked, yet they felt no shame. The word of the Lord. Blessed are those who fear the Lord. Blessed are those who fear the Lord. Blessed are you who fear the Lord, who walk in his ways. For you shall eat the fruit of your handiwork. Blessed shall you be and favored. Blessed are those who fear the Lord. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine in the recesses of your home your children like olive plants around your table. Blessed are those who fear the Lord. Behold, thus is the man blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. Blessed are those who fear the Lord. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. 
humbly welcome the word that has been planted in you and is able to save your souls. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Jesus went to the district of Tyre. He entered a house and wanted no one to know about it, but he could not escape notice. Soon a woman whose daughter had an unclean spirit heard about him. She came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she begged him to drive the demon out of her daughter. He said to her, Let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the food of the children and throw it to the dogs. She replied and said to him, Lord, even the dogs under the table eat the children's scraps. Then he said to her, For saying this you may go. The demon has gone out of your daughter. When the woman went home, she found the child lying in bed and the demon gone. The Gospel of the Lord. This morning's first reading, we continue to read from the book of Genesis and the creation story. And today we hear about, in the original communion, the complementarity which God had placed between the man and the woman. The man and the woman were made for one another in a complementary of being whereby even the differences of their bodies led to a compatibility that would lead the two to be able to become one flesh. In fact, even today it is striking in a way how the man and woman are made for communion with one another and are made in this sense of complementarity where together they can actually become something more. This is often seen even in the way we experience the world and in our physical senses. For example, women have more cones in their eyes and men have more rods in the eyes and the cones are what help you to see color and the rods are what help your peripheral vision to see motion around you. And so women many times tend to be better with color and color schemes than what men are, especially men like me who are completely colorblind. That doesn't help you one bit at all. Even in the sense of smell, there are differences between men and women in general. A man can get used to a smell much quicker than a woman does, and it allows him sometimes perhaps to work in a harsh environment, whereas for a woman, her sense of smell tends to actually grow, and a bad smell tends to become more foul over time, where a man typically gets more used to it. The point of it being is that in their complementarity, together, if they trust one another, they actually become more than what they are individually. Because if they trust, and they see that the way the other is experiencing the world is authentic and legitimate, well then their senses in a way also grow, and because of their trust and belief in one another, they're actually able to experience the world in a broader way, in a more full picture, and have a greater diversity of gifts, which together they are able to bring to the table. This notion of complementarity, of course, is oftentimes lost in the world in which we live in today, where fallen man and fallen creation tends to view men and women oftentimes in rivalry and conflict. Who is better between the men and the woman? 
with the temptation to objectify the other, especially for men to objectify women in a sexual sense, or to see the complementarity of the man and woman as merely being something <clears throat> which isn't complementary, but is, which is rather just arbitrary. And there's a general confusion between what is equality and sameness or identity to say the man and woman have to be identical and the same in every way. All of this goes against the complementarity which God had placed in the original communion. <clears throat> of course, at the end of today's reading, <clears throat> we also hear of God's intention for the man and woman to leave their father and mother in order for the two to become one flesh. And here, too, we think of the complementary nature of the bodies between the man and the woman, and in particular of the conjugal act of being a sacred act or expression of the complementary love that exists between the man and the woman. It is important to be able to state that that conjugal act it really is meant to be an expression of the love which already exists between the man and woman, whereby they have gifted themselves in a definitive decision of covenant in the sacrament of marriage to say, I give my life to you completely and permanently and faithfully. And once that gift has been made, well, then the conjugal act becomes a true, authentic, and beautiful expression of a reality that exists. Namely, having given my whole life to you, I am now prepared also to give the gift of my sexuality and the gift of my body to you because we are in a faithful, permanent covenant with one another. In the order of their bodies and in this sacred covenant and gift which they make in the conjugal act, we also can see that the ends that that act are expressing or the ordained purpose of that act is one to express the union which exists between the man and the woman in their married covenant. And secondly, that it is the privileged place where God brings new creation into the world. That in their openness to life, in their total gift of self, which includes the gift of their sexuality, it also becomes in marriage the privileged place where new life is brought into the world in an atmosphere of love that exists between the man and woman and because their covenant with one another is faithful, permanent, and enduring, it also means the child then is brought up in an atmosphere of love with parents who are committed to loving and bringing up their child in this domestic church or in this communion of love that exists between them. Anything which will be intentionally acting against either that unitive or procreative end is going to signify that something is missing from this total gift of self. The definition of evil is precisely a good which is absent. Something's missing which ought to be there. For example, a lie is the absence of truth in speech. There's something missing which ought to be there. And similarly, in the conjugal act, when there is an attempt to directly act against that unitive or procreative end, something's missing which ought to be there, and this is precisely the definition of sin should also note that all of this is to say that human beings don't always get everything perfect, which isn't exactly a newsflash. And just because in the church we preach that the conjugal act is ordered toward the union between the man and the woman and toward procreation, it doesn't mean that we are hateful toward people who commit acts which go against that. Sometimes kind of sad in the world we live in that if one does not think that the same sex 
act or sodomy or come some kind of self-stimulation between people of the same sex, to say that is morally wrong does not mean that one hates the individuals who are committing those acts or to say that one is determined to be against them in some fundamental way. It's kind of interesting that the church teaches that self-stimulation or self-abuse is wrong, but nobody accuses us of hating people who commit masturbation. The church believes fornication is wrong, but nobody thinks that we have a phobia against all people who fornicate. Merely is to say, God has put certain ordained ends in actions. These can be known in the light of reason. They certainly can be known in the light of faith. And what we propose is really a pathway of the moral life toward happiness and fulfillment. If a person chooses to accept it and believe it, then we believe that is a path toward happiness. And to reject it is ultimately, we believe, to take a step away from that and to move in a direction which ultimately will not lead to happiness and fulfillment in life. But God gave each of us a free will to be able to choose how to lead our lives. And we also, of course, respect that and say, each of us in our freedom can make the choices that we're going to make. But we should also be able to be free to say what we believe is true and right, and in particular, what we believe and know God has revealed to us. And so, my brothers and sisters, as we go forward today, let us ask God for the grace that this sanctity and sacredness and complementarity which he has put in the relationship between the man and the woman and ordained in the conjugal act would be respected and that people would be willing to give themselves and to live according to this divine plan for marriage, for human sexuality that is so beautiful and profound and which truly leads people to fulfillment and happiness in life. Amen. Trusting in our Father's love and mercy, let us bring our petitions before him. We pray for our Holy Father, Pope Francis, and for all bishops, and for all government leaders, we pray to the Lord. We pray for the sick and the suffering, that they would be given consolation in their faith. We pray to the Lord. We pray for our family, friends, benefactors, for those joining us online and through Guadalupe Radio Media. We pray to the Lord. We pray for the repose of the soul of Deacon Medley. We pray to the Lord. And for those intentions that we hold in our heart, we pray to the Lord. Merciful Father, we thank you for hearing our petitions and granting our prayers through Christ our Lord. Sing praise to God who reigns above the God of all creation, the God of power, the God of love, the God of our salvation. With healing balm my soul he fills, and every faithless murmur stills to God all praise and glory. What God's almighty power hath made, his gracious mercy keeping, 
By morning glow or evening shade, his watchful eye ne'er sleeping. Within the kingdom of his might, lo, all is just and all is right, to God all praise and glory. Pray, brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God the Almighty Father. O Lord our God, who once established these created things to sustain us in our frailty, grant we pray that they may become for us now the sacrament of eternal life through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, for just as through your beloved Son you created the human race, so also through him with great goodness you formed it anew. And so it is right that all your creatures serve you, all the redeemed praise you, and all your saints with one heart bless you. Therefore, we too extol you with all the angels, as in joyful celebration we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabao, plenis uncelli et terra, gloria tua, osana in excelsis, benedictus, qui venit in nomine domini, osana in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and, giving thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it. For this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith. We proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. 
Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world, and bring her to the fullness of charity together with Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, and all the clergy. Remember your servant, Deacon Medley, whom you have called today from this world to yourself. Grant that he who was united with your son in a death like his may also be one with him in his resurrection. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the blessed apostles and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. Precepti salutaribis moniti, et divina institutione formati, audemus dicere, Pater noster, qui es in celis, sanctifice tuhur nomen tuhum, adveniat regnum tuhum, fiat voluntas tua, sicud in celo et in terra, panem nostrum coditianum, da nobis hodie, et imite nobis debita nostra, Sicut et nos dimitimus, debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccatamundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccatamundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccatamundi, dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed.
For those who are unable to receive communion sacramentally, we invite you to pray the act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. You satisfy the hungry heart with gift of finest wheat. Come give to us, so saving Lord, the bread of life to eat. As when the shepherd calls his sheep, they know and heed his voice. So when you call your family, Lord, we follow and rejoice. You satisfy the hungry heart with gift of finest wheat. Come give to us, O saving Lord, the bread of life to eat. Let us pray. O God, who have willed that we be partakers in the one bread and the one chalice, grant us, we pray, so to live, that made one in Christ, we may joyfully bear fruit for the salvation of the world through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go and announce the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to the Lord. Our Lady of the Most Holy Trinity, Most Holy Immaculate Virgin Mary, you are the mother of God You are the queen of all creation. You are the keeper of heaven's treasure. You are our help and protection. Grant us your intercession and may your favor never fail us. The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. 
prayer of deliverance. Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one, from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. tuned to KSHJ, 